In 2017, the film Wind River, directed by Taylor Sheridan, received an eight-minute standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival. Starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen, the film centers around the investigation of an 18-year-old indigenous woman found murdered on the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming. The Wind River film ended with a quote that stated, While missing person statistics are compiled for every other demographic, none exist for Native American women. However, in a report released earlier this year, researchers found that between 2011 and 2020, 710 Indigenous people were reported missing across Wyoming, and that between 2000 and 2020, Indigenous homicide victims accounted for 21% of all homicides, though they make up only 3% of the state's population. We know now that this movie was not based on a specific story, but rather based on a collection of cases that have an unbearably painful pattern that continues to this day. In 2019, a young Arapaho woman would be found murdered in a double homicide alongside her boyfriend. A year later, her sister's body would be discovered, her death ruled accidental by hypothermia. These were two sisters who lived on the Wind River Reservation. This is not a movie. This is a story of Jocelyn Watt and Jade Wagon. Hey guys, this is Osh. This is Shiashi. This is Maggie, and you're listening to We Are Resilient. So I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays, and looking forward to a brand new start in the new year. 2022, new year. New year, new me. Same pandemic. Woohoo. <laughs> I mean, that was not... Bye, COVID. Tone down your enthusiasm, Maggie. That was too much. <laughs> too much. Okay. Well, today I want to take us to Wyoming. I'm going to tell you the story of a brave, strong mother, Nicole Wagon, and her fight for justice in the death of her two daughters. Wait a second. Two daughters? That's right. Two daughters. Jocelyn Watt and Jay Wagon, both with two different stories, one to murder and the other to questionable circumstances. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's a, and this one was a little bit challenging because there's just not a lot of information. So I research, 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 and research. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that's kind of what we learned through this process. And, you know, I think we've been very adamant, you know, when telling these stories is that the information is very scarce. Yeah. Someone's asked me before if we, like, reach out to family members. And I just tell them, you know, the only resource we have is what we find on the Internet. You know, I think eventually we would like to talk to these family members, but I think our goal really is just so people know that what our intent is. We have good intentions here, and we just want to bring awareness to these stories. And we're not investigative journalists. We're just out here trying to make a difference. Just telling their stories. Yep. Nicole Wagon is the mother of Jocelyn and Jade, and they were part of the Northern Arapahoe tribe. They grew up in Riverton, Wyoming, a small town of about 10,000 in the eastern corner of the Wind River Indian Reservation. Oh, so this happened in Wind River. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Wind River Indian Reservation is the seventh largest American Indian reservation in the U.S. by area at 2.2 million acres, oh, wow. which is about 3,532 square miles covering land and water. So Wind River kind of butts up against the Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. So, you know... What's crazy to me is a lot of these stories are from areas where there's high traffic areas. So I'm interested to hear about what happened to I'm not daughters. familiar with Yellowstone or Wind River. You don't know where Yellowstone is. Are you talking about like, I thought you were talking about the TV show. You're talking about, oh, I'm talking about geographically. Oh, <laughs> Yellowstone America. I was like, I watched K-dramas, Maggie. I thought we were talking about Ranch. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, listeners. See physical places. Let me get Beth Dutton on this. Don't don't at me. <laughs> I, but you, for, for, for clarity, I know where Yellowstone is. That's good. For the record. <laughs> Great. Awesome. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it is the fifth largest by population. In a 2010 census, 26,490 people live on the reservation, with about 15,000 of those residents being not enrolled on ceded lands and in the town of Riverton. Arapaho bands form two tribes, the Northern Arapaho and Southern Arapaho. The Northern Arapaho have lived with the Eastern Shoshone on the Wind River Indian Reservation in Wyoming and are federally recognized. So let me tell you about Jocelyn. Jocelyn Watt was born January 28, 1988. She was born in Redland, West Germany to Daryl Davis hmm. and Nicole Wagon. Was her family in the military? It doesn't say, but I can assume so. Yeah. Maybe one of her, maybe her dad or her mom. Jocelyn's Indian name was, and please forgive me if I mess this up because I know the importance of Indian names. It is Niho Nihishi, which meant yellow bird woman. And I just want to say, if you're given an Indian name, and I know from experience that growing up, people called me all, the, all kinds of names. You know, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, growing up, I had a lot of issues with people being unable to pronounce my name. You know, and I would be like, it's exactly how it's spelled, Shiashi. So for the longest, you know, when I'd go to Chick-fil-A or to the coffee shop, I'd go by uh, the name Buffy because it's my favorite vampire slayer. <laughs> but it's, it's important to normalize indigenous names. There's a lot of celebrity names out there that are hard to say. So why couldn't they say Shiashi? Yeah. Right. Like growing up, my name is Asha. And it's a Cherokee name. It doesn't have a meaning. It was just a, grim- a name my grandma gave me. Well, my whole life, I've been called Alicia. And like even like Chick-fil-A or Starbucks, I'd be like, I'm Alicia. I'm, it's just easier <laughs> yeah. to just give them that name than to, it's Asha. It's spelled like Alicia. Yeah. Because my whole life, no matter what the situation was, whether I was starting college or school mm-hmm. or whatever, people would be like, what's your name? Asha. How do you say that? Asha. How do you spell that? It's spelled like this. What does it mean? It's not a meaning. It's a Cherokee name. Oh, well, it's really pretty. Can you say it again? And like my whole life, that's how I've had mm-hmm. to introduce myself. And so if you're given an Indian name and if someone looked at you as a baby or a child and said, you need to be called this, I think you need to carry that with pride because it has power. Indian names are so unique. And every time someone mispronounces your name, you should correct them every time. And if you mispronounce someone's name, you should correct yourself because people with indigenous names deserve that respect. Part of that, you know, we come from generations of people that were taught, if we want to go back, you know, residential schools and boarding schools where they were stripped of their Indian name, given a Christian name. And so over time, we come from those generations that we just didn't have those names. So... For me, uh, I I had a lot of frustration growing up with my name. I know roll calls, when they would get to my name and just stop and pause, I'd be like, it's Shiashi. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I just knew it. And uh, it was funny for like the longest when me and Maggie would go out to lunch, she'd be like, it's Maggie. And then I'd go up and I'd be like, just put Maggie too. So (laughs) (laughs) So it'd be like Maggie and the number two. Well, I feel personally attacked because I'm half white and my name is Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) But I bet growing up, you found your name on a pen. I did not. Or those. Margaret. (laughs) Oh, Maggie. (laughs) Or those little mini license plates at the gas. You never found Asha. You never found Asha. Weren't you named after 
I was named after Maggie Wachacha. Yeah. Oh. So I do kind of have an indigenous name, but Shashi's right, Maggie Wachacha. You know, I don't know if that name came from indigenous culture or if it came from a boarding school. So Maggie Wachacha was a beloved woman of the Cherokee Indians. So she kind of held the highest title for women in Cherokee culture. So you wear that, you wear that Maggie with pride. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have an indigenous name, carry it with pride. For every kid out there with an indigenous name and someone mispronounces it, you should correct them every single time. And tell them what your name means. Tell them what it means. And educate them. Say it with pride. Yeah. So what did Jocelyn's Indian name mean again? Yellow bird woman. I like that. That's pretty. Yeah. It's a real pretty name. The first two years of her life, she was in Germany. And the family then moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, then to Riverton, Wyoming. She attended Riverton High School, and after graduation, she attended Southwest Indian Polytechnic Institute in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She then returned to Riverton and worked at the Red Willow Restaurant in the Wind River Casino. She's described as having a beautiful singing voice and loved to sing. She was a part of the band, Sand Creek Band, and sang the national anthem at the INFR Qualifying Finals Rodeo in 2018. Oh, wow. So she must have been a really good singer. Yeah. That's what the uh, her family describes her as. Like, okay. Her voice was just beautiful. A fun-loving woman who loved her family. She loved being outdoors. She was active in her community and was always giving a helping hand. Jocelyn was 30 years old, and on January 5th, 2019, Riverton police officers responded to a report of two unresponsive individuals at a home on East Main Street in downtown Riverton. When police officers arrived, they found two bodies, dead, both of gunshot wounds. Jocelyn and Ruby Perez. Ruby was Jocelyn's boyfriend. Oh my gosh. So both died of gunshot wounds. How old was she? She was 30 years old. Um, Nicole, Jocelyn's mother, stated, it. Quote, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good for those couple days leading up. And what can I explain to you is leading up to that day that I received the call. I just felt like a sense, like a feeling, and I couldn't shake it. So have you ever felt that way? Like you felt like... As a mom, you know, there are certain... I mean, I feel like if something tragic happened to my kids you know as a mom we would have some sort of feeling or intuition like, like something's yeah. just off something doesn't feel right yeah and that's how my mother described it that she just felt just felt something leading mm-hmm. into that day that's scary yeah so i guess she didn't have contact with her in the few days before she died well she planned to visit jocelyn but decided against it because usually their visit went on for hours due to the fact that they love to sit around and talk i mean you can almost picture it's like you you know you sit around with your friends your sisters your mom you catch up mm-hmm. you know you spill the tea you laugh you talk about future plans or so it sounds like they were just your, really close yeah they were all really super close yes that's and everything I've read, they had other sisters, and they were all super close. Jocelyn was planning a road trip, and Nicole had decided against stopping by. And then the next day, she got the call. Quote, and I received a call that day from my aunt, and I could hear it in her voice, and it was full of panic. End quote. She said, I already knew. I already had a not good feeling. And soon after, she arrived at her daughter's residence to police cars everywhere and knew it wasn't good. It was a total shock. It was devastating and indescribable. So that's, you know, as a mom, I can't imagine how she feels knowing that she could have went to see her and didn't. You know, you can never, she would have never known that this was going to happen. But still, I'm sure she lives with a lot of guilt and I hate that for her. She already had that bad feeling and then you have that phone call. Yeah. And then you ride up to your daughter's house, police cars. I can't even imagine. And how many times would we, you know, you brush off feelings like that? Like maybe you're just thinking too much. You're being overprotective. Yeah. I know. It's like when you think you lock your door at home, you're like, oh my gosh, I lock it. You know, like you'll think about stuff over and over again. It's easy just to dismiss stuff like that. Yeah. 
Well, immediately police began an investigation of Jocelyn Rudy's death as a double homicide. Months passed and no arrests were made in the case. Nicole, Jocelyn's mother, pleaded with the community to come forward. She stated, quote, please, I beg you, don't allow another family to go through this, end quote. In a past interview with Riverton Police Department Captain Todd Brearley, stated that the crime is not the result of a joint suicide or a murder-suicide. However, no person or persons are in custody for the murders. The family has been fighting for answers ever since. And so going back to how big us of the reservation was, it was stated on medium.com that there were only six officers to patrol the 2.2 million acres. Do you know that's really common for tribal lands? Yeah. And that's sad. That was in that um, documentary, that Selena documentary, with her situation. That was in Montana, talking about how there was... Yeah, only six officers. And that much acres? Can you imagine just trying to get across to, like, the other side? Would be like a day trip. Well, and how can you give a double homicide the attention it needs when you have six officers to patrol a whole... How many acres? 200? 2.2 million. Oh, 2.2 million acres. I have this um, Twitter that I screenshotted on the recount. Mm-hmm. It says Jocelyn Watt was shot and killed in her Wyoming home in 2019, along with her partner, Rudy Perez. More than two and a half years later, the case remains unsolved. In that time, local police posted 24 missing, annou- missing dog announcements, but have yet to post Jocelyn and Rudy's name on social media. I'm sorry, but they have what? a PR specialist. <laughs> what? This sounds like a PR nightmare. So they 24 missing dogs. Missing dogs. Announcements, but have yet to post Jocelyn and Rudy's name. But it's clearly, I, and it was clearly stated by the police chief, that this is a, a true homicide. What was the time frame again? So this happened in... Well, I mean, like... Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Mm-hmm. They didn't post anything about her or her boyfriend... But they posted 24 missing dog flyers. According to a Twitter post by The Recount. So, I really hope that's not accurate because that enrages me. So do they do they have any suspects? Do they even kind of know what happened? Like, is there hesitation for them posting something for a specific reason? Or are they, is there even any proof that they're investigating? Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Okay. Uh, Jay Wagon is a sister to Jocelyn. She's her little sister. And she refused to be silent when this happened to her sister, Jocelyn. She wanted answers. She wanted to know why. She wanted to know who. Nicole, Jocelyn's mother, and Jay became heavily involved in the Missing Murdered Indigenous Women campaign. If you simply Google the name Nicole Wagon, you will see numerous articles of their fight for justice. She's an MMIW warrior. She's getting out there and making sure these women's stories are heard. She organizes and participates in walks, memorials, and rallies for all Missing Murdered Indigenous Women. And beside her through it all is her daughter, Jade. Jade was born February 3rd, 1996 in Riverton, Wyoming, to Tracy and Nicole Watt Wagon. Her Northern Arapahoe Indian name was Cedar Stands Alone, and her Northern Cheyenne name was White Buffalo Calf Woman. Jade was born and raised in Riverton, Wyoming, and she was the mother of two beautiful children, one boy and one girl. She's described as having a great sense of humor. She loved to draw and write and had a passion for music. On March 31st, 2019, so that would be about two, two and a half months, almost three months after her sister had passed. Jake posted on Facebook on her status, and it read, quote, It's literally been so hard since the loss of my older sister and brother. I can't even cry anymore. I'm trying so hard to just keep it together, but it's hard. They were always just a call away and always there for me and my babies. Hate the fact I have to live and keep going without my sister Jocelyn and my brother Rudy. I miss them so, so much, end quote. How long was Jocelyn and Rudy together? 
It, it didn't say. It, it, it just, sounds like the family got quite close to him as well. Yeah, I talked about them being huge Patriots fans. They went to a lot of football games. Mm-hmm. They love to travel mm-hmm. and just be outdoors. Uh, so the year passes and the family is still pushing for answers. They're pleading with the community to come forward with any tips, all while they're bringing awareness to the missing murdered indigenous women's movement. Fast forward one year and a one-year anniversary memorial was planned by the family for Jocelyn Rudy's death. But on the day of the memorial, Jade was nowhere to be found. She didn't show up, and her mother knew immediately something was wrong. Jade would not miss an important event like this. Nicole reported Jade missing, but there were few clues as to whereabouts. Investigators stated she was last seen leaving work at the Wind River Casino on January 2nd. So three days before her sister's memorial service. Yeah. Well, it just said that the last time she was seen was January 2nd. Multiple witnesses said they saw her leaving with an unknown person or people. She was missing for three weeks when her body was found on January 21st, 2020 by a Bureau of Indian Affairs police officers in the Wind River Reservation in a field near Epet, which is about 30 miles from the casino she was last seen at. On January 24th, 2020, the unknown female was positively identified as Jade Wagon. So now for the second time in a year, the same family is grieving the loss of another loved one. Jade was just 23 years old. So obviously... If she's found on the field, there has to be some sort of mysterious or suspicious circumstances, right? I think so. Uh, No information was given on the conditions of her body when it was found. Investigators stated a full autopsy would be performed and the results could take weeks. On March 6th, the family finally received the results of the autopsy. They finally received some answers, but it was not the answers they were expecting. The FBI and Fremont County Coroner's Office announced a 20-year-old Jade Wagon died from hypothermia due to environmental exposure and acute methamphetamine intoxication. No evidence of foul play was suspected, no evidence of a violent crime at the scene, and no traumatic injuries to Jade's body. The coroner stated the amount of methamphetamine levels in her body could cause her irrational behavior and confusion. The coroner ruled Jade's death an accident. Was Jade known to have issues with drugs? It doesn't say in anything that I read, no. The family didn't say there was past history anyway. That's really sad because, you know, she had posted about her having a hard time with her brother and or her sister and brother-in-law's death. And, you know, who knows she was what trying that to took her to. Yeah. yeah. And what's so sad to me is she was a champion for missing and murdered indigenous women. And yeah. she became one. Nicole had a hard time believing this was an accident. She was skeptical. How did she end up high on meth? 30 miles from work, missing for three weeks. Who were the people she was seen leaving the casino with? There's cameras everywhere at casinos. Mm -hmm. You can't pull surveillance and see who those people are. So she had a lot of questions too because did she wander around for three weeks? I mean, where did she go? I mean, I wonder if there was even any like houses that she was close to. I mean, if you're just in an open field, that just seems so bizarre. Yeah. It just just doesn't add up. But it's, it's starting to sound very common with the stories that we've been telling about these situations where these women just end up in a field with these suspicious circumstances. Nobody knows how they got there or anything like that. I get it if it's like Wyoming and, you know, maybe like if it were somewhere where people were hanging out and someone just got too drunk and, you know, got lost in an open field miles and miles away from stuff. It just seems so bizarre. Well, especially considering it was only three days away from this memorial service, and it sounds like this was something that she wouldn't have missed for anything. No. And that's why her mother couldn't take the answers that they gave her, because she didn't believe that that was the case. 
So they're so they're just saying she just overdosed in a field thirty miles away by herself. Three weeks after she was last seen. Three weeks after she was last seen. So Nicole's skepticism was right. On February 2021, a warrant was issued for a suspect, but nothing has been released yet. No names have been released or arrests made as of yet, but hopefully they are close to giving this family answers and they deserve answers. So there's a little bit of hope in finding what happened to her. We'll just have to stay tuned to see if they arrest anyone. According to an article in the Gillette News Record, many on the Wind River Reservation are critical with how the Bureau of Indian Affairs has handled the issue, arguing the agency lacks communication and transparency. According to a report on Insider.com, Wyoming found the homicide rate for Indigenous people from 2010 to 2019 was 26.8, eight times higher than the homicide rate for white people. Oh my gosh. Over a similar time frame, 710 Indigenous people, mostly girls, were reported missing in the state. The report found only 30% of Indigenous homicide victims made the news compared to 51% of white victims. And when you talk about the police department being underfunded, you know, that's part of the issues that we talk about with so little police presence on these reservations is because federally recognized tribes are federally funded. So historically, any federally recognized program or tribe or resource is grossly underfunded. And how can they keep up with 710 missing people in a span of nine years? And six officers for two point something There's no way you can keep up. So, I mean, I would assume then, you know, the accusations, right, that BIA should put resources to that, but there are just no resources to put it. Well, NBC News reported the Wyoming Survey and Analysis Center report on missing and murdered Indigenous people outlines how the media perpetrates the situation. Quote, Indigenous people, especially Indigenous women, are often negatively portrayed as sex workers, drug addicts, and criminals, while their non-Indigenous counterparts are depicted as respected family and community members. End quote. Also stated, quote, in our analysis of media coverage for missing people in Wyoming, we found that white people were more than likely to have an article out while they were still missing as compared to indigenous people who were more likely to get the first media article on their case only after they were found deceased, end quote. And that was from Emily Grant, a senior research scientist at the center. So what does that mean? So this happened in the same state as Gabby Petito. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that Nicole Wagon is fighting is she's saying if her daughters had got half the media coverage that Gabby had got, their murderers would have been found by now. There would have been more push. There would have been more pressure to find what happened to them. Well, and we've also touched on this a few times before is that it feels like, you know, a lot of Native Americans come from poverty-ridden tribes, which includes addiction and, you know, all the things that come with poverty. But it feels like whenever there's any sort of drugs in their system, it's kind of just written off, you know? Even if it were just to the level where she would be confused, I feel like, you know, it should be investigated a little bit more. It's almost like that's the easier way to resolve it without having to fully go in and investigate things. But I guess when you have that many missing people and murders and everything else, and they probably don't have time. And that's sad. The issue there, too, is if we're talking about the level of, like, media coverage, according to that Twitter feed, they're not sharing anything about these cases, but they're just going crazy sharing stuff about missing dogs. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make I mean, I love dogs, but, you know, these are these are people, and these are people that matter. So why... I, I, you're right. I, it doesn't make any sense. I don't even know how to rationalize. I can't... 
yeah. rationalize that because if we're fighting an uphill battle with just national media coverage, you would think just right within the, the local police or local area, there would be a little more support. Yeah, I agree. It's just sad that it, it just feels like you said earlier, just feel like we just keep reporting the same thing, hypothermia, hypothermia, you know? Or drugs or got confused or it's just, you know, and we talk about it, but it, it's, it all sounds the same. It all sounds like it's the most simple solution to, to you give know. Them, to give the family answers. Yeah. So Tiana Wag and the girl's sister say that, quote, people have told her to give up, grieve and move on, and that she's playing the race card when she mentions disparities in treatment, end quote. Wait, who's? Their, their sister, so Tiana sister? Wagon. Yeah. They had a little sister. I think they had five siblings. This from in one article, it said there are five siblings. Mm-hmm. So these two and then three other girls. Um, she also states in an interview with MEAWW.com, both Jocelyn and Jay deserve justice. It wasn't fair then, and it was definitely not fair now. When they were alive, they mattered, and even more so now that they are gone. As long as I'm alive, I will not allow my sisters to be just another number. More statistics because of where they come from and who they are as Arapaho women. End quote. Nicole wants people to know her daughters are not just statistics. Their lives counted and mattered, and nobody knows their story. But I have an update. Okay. And doing last-minute research, and this was probably like three days ago, as I was writing out my research and just trying to find more just to dig into their lives better and to just tell their story, when I went back to research the other day, I Googled them, and this popped up. An article by the Longview News Journal on December 13th, 2021, which is literally like a week ago. It states, three people have been charged with various felony charges in the 2019 deaths of Jocelyn and Rudy Perez, the Fremont County attorney said on Monday. Patrick Sun Rhodes and Bryce Terran both face two felony charges of murder, and Corbin Headley is charged with conspiracy to commit aggravated burglary. Chris Sun Rhodes is 17, but will be tried as an adult. Another Fremont County resident will also be charged in the case, attorney Patrick Liebron said. The arrests are the product of a joint investigation by the Riverton Police Department, Fremont County Sheriff's Office, Wyoming Division of Criminal Investigation, and the FBI. So we have the murderers. So how did okay. so, so there's a 17-year-old that's charged. So he would have been 14? 14, 15? It would have been 2019. I would say then 15. So it would have been about 15, yeah. So is this like a mom, dad, and a son? It just mentions their name, Patrick Sunroads, Bryce Taryn and Corbin Higley and one other adult, but they haven't named yet. Oh, so it's all, it's three men. Mm-hmm. A felony murder occurs when there's an intent to commit the underlying felony and that someone died as a result of the felony. In this case, the felony was burglary. So, so they tried to break in to steal their house. stuff or to do something and just killed them. Yep. Oh and they gosh. were free for two years. That's terrifying. They're just walking around. That's scary. Well... It's good to know that at least there's arrests been made because in a lot of cases, there's not. So it sounds like there was some investigation and stuff going on. It was a joint investigation. There was Riverton Police Department, Fremont County Sheriff's Office, Wyoming Division of Criminal Investigation, and the FBI. So they did put resources to this. Well, maybe maybe at the bare minimum, they can at least uh, intersperse missing people flyers in between the missing dog ones. And maybe the case... What How many dogs? Early? 24 dogs in what? Two and a half years? years. That's a lot of dogs. Am I wrong? Is that? I think people steal dogs pretty commonly, sadly. Okay. I mean, literally, I finished this. I was done. And so Thursday night, I pulled it back up just to add to the story. 
the headlines were that they picked up three in the murder of Jocelyn Watt. So they just arrested these people last week. That's December 13th. But we're still kind yeah. of having answer questions when it comes to Jade. Yeah. Well, Jade's case is probably closed. It's not an open investigation, right? In February of this year, there was a warrant issued for a suspect, but no names have been released. So they are investigating her death. Yes, they're still investigating, which doesn't make sense if she died of hypothermia. And Maggie, you've mentioned it, that I feel like sometimes we we do talk a lot about the Gabby Petito case, but I think it's important because I think her case really, really highlighted the difference between when a non-native goes missing compared to when a native goes missing. And it, it it was blatant. It's in her face. We saw in real time how fast that investigation moved how fast they found her, how many people were on TikTok trying to be detective and solve the cases. Like, well, in Gabby Petito's case kind of really shed light on how powerful social media can be. Yeah, because we all knew Gabby Petito's name. All of us knew her and her story. And we we're all hoping for answers for her and her family. But who's reporting on these women? I've never heard of Jade or Jocelyn before I researched them. And their stories deserve to be told. Anyone with information regarding the death of Jade Wagon is asked to contact the Riverton Police Department at 307-856-4891 or anonymously at 307-857-7755. Thank you for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links for information found in this episode and to stay up to date on what's coming next, You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.